Hello and welcome to another installment of Casual Trekker. This is a retrospect from my thoughts and ideas and what I wanted and what I thought when I heard stuff from 2017 up until now. It's not written down, it's all off the cuff, so might miss some stuff, might remember stuff after the fact, so it's whatever. But that's the whole idea behind behind this podcast in the first place is that it's just me talking about Star Trek. So, here I go. So, way back in 2000, 2016, I think, um, they were like, yeah, we're going to do a Star Trek series. And then I was like, oh no, what are they going to do? Because sometimes people like try to reinvent the wheel. And they don't need, they don't need to do that. I definitely didn't want a Deep Space Nine. I, I like Deep Space Nine Season 4 on, but I'm not really a fan of ensembles in one space and then them having to go find the conflict in a starship and then be fine when, when they get back. I didn't really want that again. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want TNG because is this going to be a repeat of TNG? And I was like, where would I want them to set it? And how, what, 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 what would I do? And like, what kind of budget, what do I want it to look like? Do I want to look like the movies? Do I want to look like uh, TNG? Do I want it to look like uh, Enterprise? Like, I was kind of like, just like really putting thoughts there and then they uh can't remember when they released the first look of the starship coming out of the uh asteroid and i was like i hope they're gonna do a couple a couple more passes on that because that looks really cartoony thankfully they did because the discovery looks beautiful absolutely beautiful like they really beauty shot the heck out of that heck out of that ship when when they want to it really raises to the level of like uh, the USS Enterprise D from the beauty shots of that ship. So that happened. They started showing casting and everything else, and they were like when when, when it was going to be set. And I was like, "All right, they're going to base it before Kirk." And I'm like, "Are they going to make it look? Is is it going to be like Star Trek Continues? Is it going to look a lot like that?" Because I'm not really a fan of that being like every day. I'm like, I don't know, I don't get my way, I don't roll out of bed and run to YouTube and turn on Star Trek, con, uh, Star Trek Continues. And so I'm like, am I gonna wanna see that sort of set, that kind of sets? Or do I want them to like, you know, show me something cool? Like, and then we started seeing stuff on, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. I was like, it's gonna be really cinematic. And then, and the people started talking about it, and you get fan reactions on trailers, and talking about how it should be a period piece. A lot of people talking about how it should be a period piece and a fictitious franchise. So, you had a lot of chatter. Some of it positive, some of it negative. Some of it kind of like started out positive, then turned, turned, neg- turned negative. And when that stuff happened, it's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of politics. Where all you need is one damning soundbite, and then your career is done. So if your podcast is going to be mostly shit talk, it's a negative podcast. Like, if you can't find something, like two things to be happy about, and you're going to talk about it in a negative manner, I don't really call that fair and balanced. I call that uh, irritated and opinionated and mad that you didn't get tossed. 
And to be frank, if Toss didn't exist in 1964 and it was made right now and put on the thing, I would say that it wouldn't even look anywhere near that and it would be look like updated stuff. The reason why it looks like it does in Toss is because of when it was made in reality. Which is fine for like In the Mirror Darkly and it's fine for a, a YouTube web series called Star Trek, Con uh, Star Trek Continues. But would I want to shell out like $9 or $6 or whatever it is to watch a weekly series that looks like the 1960s? I don't think so. I just, like, I, I, I have no, nothing against the, uh, I have nothing at all against the original series. It's fun to watch the dynamic between Kirk, Bones, and, um, and, uh, Scotty and Uhura. It's fun seeing Leonard Nimoy and Walter Cohen and George Takei and Michelle Nichols and, uh, and and, 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 and and all them it's fun it's 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 fun to watch and then you go to you go to TNG and like oh okay the next generation awesome and then you then you read up on all the hate that they got when that first came out the most beloved of the TV show second only to toss maybe a lot more people were nowadays are all about the TNG but back in the day it was the TNG cast is, is, is coming in, the old crew is out, how dare they, it's rude, it's a violation of this, a violation of that, it destroys my canon, how dare they, well, I want my William Shatner, I want my, I want my, I want my, my William Shatner, which is, which is all, all just and all fine, you can have that opinion of whichever show you like and whatever actor you like in the lead role in that show. But then we get to the toxic part of it, where you're just hating something just to hate it. Whether it be the original series, whether it be Deep Space Nine, whether it be Discovery, or whether it be Picard, you know, someone is going to like something. And this is better just to embrace that difference that brings everyone together, that individuality that we always hear about in Star Trek. Like um, the episode where TNG and they bring uh, Hugh out. And they really just tout his individuality and how he's not part of the collective anymore. And he's his own thing. He still came from the collective. That's what his identity is. But they separated him from that to where he can make his own course. So just because Hugh does something that the Borg wouldn't do doesn't make him not a Borg anymore. Or doesn't make him that his lineage. So if we use that as our uh, starting point... All of the different shows start out okay. Direct. This is this is Star Trek. This is what this is what they're gonna do. This is how we're gonna do it differently. I mean, nobody wants to watch a, a recycled TNG. Nobody wants to watch a recycled Deep Space Nine. No one wants to watch a recycled Enterprise because that's what it that's what it's gonna be called. It's gonna be called Discount Enterprise or Big Budget Big Budget um, Enterprise and. Sure, Discovery, uh, for instance, has the most information done because it was the uh, first uh, Star Trek show to really have the um, huge Facebook uh, fan in the moment as it's happening kind of reaction. You didn't really get that Enterprise. You had like blogs and whatever else for uh, for a Star Trek Enterprise, but you didn't really have a place that was so open and so there and so accessible where you could go on there and just talk a bunch of hate if, if if you wanted to and like when you're like when you're scrolling through facebook now and you're scrolling through you'll see a lot of hateful 
mean posts. And the reason why they are fine, really, is because everyone has the right to their opinion. But then when you're reading it, you're like, did they watch the episode? Did they understand what that meant? You just... You, you have to allow the negativity to exist with the positivity. But at the same time, your negative just can't exist just to be negative. Like, it, 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 it's like, well, if I open up my Star Trek encyclopedia, I'm not going to see this event that's happening in Discovery. Or Spock didn't have a sister Michael Byrne, wasn't mentioned in the original series. And I like, because in the original series, it didn't exist yet. It wasn't even a concept. They didn't know anything about USS Discovery. In the original series, they didn't even know what year they were actually based in. So none of these things were this canon, in quotations. They were just flying by the seat of their pants. Then when TNG came, the canon became what came before it, and then what they were doing. And then when Deep Space Nine came along, it was what they were doing. Plus, whenever they referenced things in the past, and it's always fun to reference your other show, so you would reference things that happened in TNG, or you would just name drop the lead character, Captain Picard, or just the Enterprise itself. And then after Deep Space Nine, you do Voyager, which is the same exact thing, does its thing, but then name drops things that happened in previous shows, which becomes your web of canon. So then... When you get all the way deep out from when you get all the way to um, from Toss to Voyager, you start to really create this uh, roadmap of events that happened in Star Trek history that now exist. So then, when you do a show called Enterprise, later read Heil's Star Trek Enterprise, then. All those different events that, that you're doing should have been known to the rest of the, 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 rest of the, the Federation and those shows going forward. So then you do something big in Enterprise. Why wasn't it known in the shows? And it just it makes you really just get a migraine. Because obviously in, in not in world, in production universe... The show didn't exist. So, Toss, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, they would have no knowledge of a writer's idea that was not wrote yet. They could not um, devise a plot point to include that because they didn't know that was going to happen. So then, you got to go to in-universe. How does it make sense in-universe? And so that's when it's easy. It's so bloody easy to make an event in Star Trek that was not previously known make sense. It's like going to the store to buy milk. Somebody picks me up. We have a conversation about the day. Maybe I went to a movie or something. I go get my milk. I come out. We have more of a con. We have more of a con. We have more of a conversation. And then I go in the house. In that conversation, did I mention any one of my brothers? Nope, sure didn't. Did I mention my occupation? Nope, did not. Did I mention my plans for a year from now? No. Did I even talk about my cell phone in my pocket? Did not. Now, through only what you would have seen if you were in the back seat, does that mean that's my whole life? No. 
just because I'm there and I'm talking doesn't mean I'm giving a detailed account of my entire life and my entire surroundings. So through the conversation of milk, one could ascertain that I'm the only child because I didn't bring up the fact that I have other brothers or a sister. And one could also assume that I don't have, I don't have a cell phone. Or one could assume that uh, I have no lifelong plans because the conversation had nothing to do with any of that stuff. So keeping that in mind, every single episode of Star Trek, of every single one of the incarnations of the series doesn't mean that just because it wasn't mentioned or brought up that it didn't occur or for instance that spock didn't have a sister well when we were while watching the watching the original series and then we transitioned to the movies all of a sudden we're introduced to uh spock's brother but he wasn't mentioned in the original series so then all of a sudden that's just sloppy writing no just spock never brought it up and it was never the focus it's like an episode of TNG called Lower Decks. The information that the Lower Deckers have is not the same that the primary bridge crew has. They were trying to put things together and guessing while they were doing it. And they kept on having to be stirred into a different direction because that was classified information. So just because they don't have the information doesn't mean that information doesn't exist. So if the Lower Deck episode was, was told from the senior officer perspective, we would have more information about what was happening. Just because you don't have it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So all the different issues with canon and how things weren't mentioned or referenced is irrelevant because not every single Star Trek episode, series, or movie has to play like Star Trek Lower Decks where you get like a thousand different references to previous Star Trek movie or series or cartoon or whatever throughout the course of the 23 minute run. Love Lower Decks, but it's not the template for every single instance of Star Trek. Sometimes stuff just doesn't come up. Now, in correlation to like now and like saying when you're talking about how um, there's no mention of the NX Enterprise when Scotty and Ralph are saying, I want to see the bridge of the ship, no bloody A, no bloody B, no bloody C. I would say in headcanon that because it's an NX, you could, you could say that it's in a different fleet and not necessarily part of the actual NCC-1701. It was an experimental enterprise, and then it was nothing happened from it until you started the Federation, and they, they just didn't make one until 2245. Which isn't a huge time jump from what the thing was. I think it was 20, 2161. So what is that like 60 or so years? So I don't, there's no problem there that was mentioned. We know that out of universe it's because it just didn't exist yet. And they didn't have this weird crazy thing about stuff was happening in the 21st century. I mean, otherwise when the, 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 the historian guy in TNG, when he got the time ship and like, 2150s or whatever it was or 20 yeah 21 2150 or something like that he jumped ahead you heard no mention of the nx01 you didn't hear Riker talking about what was going on with flocks you none of that stuff because it didn't exist at the time of production but now maybe just um Riker wasn't a was wasn't aware of the nx01 or maybe he wasn't aware that it would have been right before 
right before that uh, mission stuff started. It was 2151. So it would have been really close to that time. Um, it just happens that you can't fit every bit of Star Trek canon inside of every show. I mean, the big glaring one is going to be the eugenics wars. Because when does that happen in Star Trek? I mean, that is the, the, that is the elephant in the, in the room. Because that is a far-reaching... Um, far-reaching uh, plot point that they mention a couple of times in Star Trek. They mention it in the original series. Then they... I'm not, they don't really mention it, say, in Star Trek First Contact. But it happened after the, first, the Third World War. So... I mean, it's kind of it's kind of touchy a little bit on on that because there is a lot of time travel in, in Star Trek, and unless you specifically say something on screen, people tend to really nit they tend to nitpick the heck out of you. Just because it happened originally doesn't mean you can't change it from occurring. Yesterday's Enterprise, anybody? I mean, Tasha Yar was dead in dead in the original in the TNG original run. But she was alive in the alternate version of events that happened from like 2245 or whatever it is, all the way up till 2364. Uh, so, like 22 years of, of history was, was altered and changed for that amount of time. So, one could argue that you could change it to the eugenics wars either A, didn't happen, or it happened under different circumstances, or it was not successful. And that does not change the change Star Trek happening going forward. From that point, it just means that it, the Eugenics Wars isn't going to be brought up. When originally, when it was done and said, talked about, 1990s was uh, 30 or 35 or 40 years, 40 years away. Well, now the 90s is in the past, and we didn't we, we didn't see no mention of it in Star Trek Voyager when they went back to the 1990s, like, like it was 1996 or something like that. They didn't mention it there, and it's only mentioned. Uh, scarcely after that, so I think that was only a the original series plot point, really, because then after that in '87, TNG, that was really close to the '90s, and then you had uh, a couple episodes of um, Deep Space Nine where it goes into the '90s and they talk about camps and whatever else, but not really about the eugenic wars, I don't think. So one could one could argue that the timeline was changed so many times through the course of many people doing it that that just became a non-thing that occurred anymore like for us it has to happen you know it must happen in order for everything else to else to occur but in reality no it doesn't because no matter how much you travel back in time all the principal characters are going to look exactly the same no one's changing their look i mean you had a time travel event in deep space nine children of time when they go back in time 200 years so it'd be roughly right just a little bit after first contact and that timeline, everyone everyone was still born. Everyone still came out looking exactly the same. The exact same line of events that transpired from point A to point B existed for them to go down to the planet to see their ancestors. So, or, or, or see their their descendants. They got the people down there got to got, got to see their ancestors. So, people looking the same isn't isn't uh, isn't a thing that's new to Star Star Trek. The only time that that actually was a thing is in the Kelvin timeline. And my thoughts on this are very simple. If it was possible to get William Shatner to play Kirk 
in his 20s, it would be a lot easier to fit it inside of the canon because it's not somebody that looks different. And they get hung up on that. Well, in-universe, in whether it's Shatner or Pine, if you hold a picture up to anybody, they're going to go, yep, that's Kirk. Or, or, or Uhura, whether she's played by Nichelle Nichols or Zoe Salanda, still... Same person, same picture, regardless of who, of who you show it to. If you show the Spock from 2009 a picture of, of Chris Pine, he'll go, yep, that's James T. Kirk. Meanwhile, I mean, you got to see in the cave when he says, James T. Kirk. He wasn't like, wow, you look nothing like him. Like, dude, can't be him. Right? William Shatner and Chris Pine don't look that much alike. And when you look at William Shatner in the first season of of the original series, he doesn't look at all similar to Chris Pine. So, from Spock in the movie, they look the same. They're indistinguishable. It's just, one was born on a starship, one was born in, in, in Iowa, and um, the Enterprise was launched in 2258 in this one, instead of it being 2245. Now, events are going to be different because of Nero's involvement, it's not a timeline that exists without their involvement. There is no, there is no, there is no universe that exists with a time travel not occurring and that happened. It was only initiated by a time travel event. You can go to a parallel timeline that already exists, but you aren't going to change it from what it was originally. It's still going to flow similar to the same, and you're going to enter. So it's going to be more like parallels on TNG, where. Things and situations happen differently, but you're on the same ship, you're interacting with the same people, but your timeline of memory isn't going to be the same. Kind of like the, the part of it when he tries to fire the thing on the, on the bridge and the configuration is different. So you can have a lot of things be different while being the same. Then there's just straight up different. So can the Kelvin timeline... I don't know why, why we call it universe. I mean, there's multiple ways to travel backwards in time, and none of those, besides the way that the Kelvin did it, somehow create a parallel universe. They created a parallel timeline. There's no different than yesterday's Enterprise, really. I mean, if we had a younger cast playing the TNG crew, would that still count? Would that, would that, would that be a parallel universe to where the prime timeline still exists separate? I doubt it. So because of that, we should be considering it to be the same as what they did in yesterday's interface, cause and effect where the guy goes, the guy die, the guy goes ahead. Or um, the uh, the best example of of uh, of making a timeline is actually in Voyager, where all Harry Kim had to do was get on a shuttle and accidentally go through some sort of anomaly and then it sent ripples forward and backwards and then when he woke up he just never did anything and all he did was go through the anomaly he didn't involve himself in the past and change something from occurring it just didn't happen that way so that would be a, that would be a good example of how time of how how time travel creates an altered reality but it's still a timeline it's not a universe. It only exists because of the time travel. If you're gonna if you're gonna have another universe, it would have to be existing already, and you just go there and it changed, but it was never gonna be the same. Like in the Kelvin timeline, Spock might not never have been Kirk's uh, friend in that other universe because they don't have to be. It's a different universe. 
you don't know what happened in there. Like, if you do a timeline, you can branch it out. So your thoughts and your ideas up until that branching point were the same before. But if you go to a different universe, your entire personality, your motivations might be different. It's kind of like a mirror universe. When we got to see the episode where instead of giving a handshake to the Vulcans in first contact, Zephyr and Cochran shot him with a phaser. That had nothing, had nothing at all to do with time travel. That had everything to do with the evolution of that universe going forward from point A to point B. It just matured differently. So time travel would be viewed the same way. If you're time traveling, you're branching a point in time and then going a different way with it. Your characterizations of yourself and the way you present yourself are going to be the same beforehand and different after. So, when people talk about different universes, different timelines, I really wish they would be a little bit more clear on what they mean. Because not always is a universe the same as timeline, and not always is a timeline the same as a universe. Which is irritating, which is irritating sometimes. Because then you have, uh, like, Strange New Worlds coming out, and people are like, oh, it's not the Enterprise, I, that's not the Enterprise, I remember, how are they going to retrofit that? How's it going to look like this? Why would it look like that with so much time travel being done? If anything, I would think that uh, throughout the course of the original series, and maybe we could do it with like the like a couple episodes into TNG, where they go backwards in time before the events of the original series. But really, I think that we, they should find a way to retcon the alteration of how the ship looks because the movie, the movie style compared to TV style, are two different things. They are not the same. They, it's not just a simply going to the space dock, getting your ship redone, and then leaving again. That would be like um, any episode of TNG where they had to go to space dock and repair their ship. Before and after, the, the feel and the vibe and the look were all the same. Um, you do not have that look in, um, in this. So I would, I would suspect that you could probably a little bit more effectively lump uh, Star Trek 1 through 6 inside of the TN TNG era time 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 to, uh, travel because the look and the feel looks more on par with that and how the Star Trek Enterprise and X01 looks would more vibe with the Star Trek the motion picture era side of things so I think if we do Star Trek 1 through 6 inside of, there has been some time travel inside of what Picard, Janeway, and Cisco and uh, Archer has done. And not to, not to mention Michael Burnham or the people on, I think it was the Sacramento in Lower Decks. When we find out that another ship goes back in time and they were doing things outside of our hero crew. So given all that, I would say that the original series... I would say exists inside of a timeline that there is no time travel. So when you're watching Star Trek 1 through 13 and you're watching uh, TNG on, that all of that exists inside of a core universe or timeline, however you want to say it. All of that can exist in, in one timeline in the original series that debuted on NBC that can exist with no time with no time travel at all whatsoever 
you can have you can have TOS, the animated series, and Star Trek Continues all exist in a non-time travel universe. Only time travel that that exists is what happens inside of those shows. But then when we get to Star Trek 1 through 13 and TN, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, they all exist in their own thing. Because look-wise, that would be the best way to do it, I think, just because of how under... Um, I just wouldn't put Toss in there. But then when we get to Picard... People were like, it is going to be the best. It's going to be so much better than Discovery. There's no way that Discovery is going to be better than Picard. And then, all of a sudden, boom, everyone left prefers Discovery mostly over Picard. <coughs> and, excuse me. And so now we're left with a whoopsie. Because of all the people that were crap-talking on Picard... Are now are on discovery are now like well like, they kind of misfire they did they didn't have their story all lined up they didn't have this going on and all the while I'm like for what it is it's really good and then when you go past that when you're looking forward to season two and season three of the card you want to ignore season one and I'm like why would you want to ignore season one when it brings back Jean-Luc Picard into the fold, gives him a story, a beginning, middle, and end. He's an old man. He's just ready to die. And now, at the end of season one, he's ready to go. So, if you ignore season one, then season two needs a brand new uh, exposition about what the devil is going on. I have no problem with the way that they have uh, Picard in, in season one. Because it was never meant to be this, this uh, crazy, high-stakes, cool thing happening. It was just... He was he was just trying to help out a friend, and then one thing led to another, and then he died, had to get into a golem body. His buddy, part of the Soong family, was able to help was able to, to uh help was able to help 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 him out. It was never meant to be like Star Trek Discovery, it was never really meant to be like TNG. It was meant to be more of a personable uh thing between Jean Luc Picard and uh, Raffi and their history was what happened in late 20, in early to mid 2380. Uh, him, him, him quitting Starfleet and then that affecting her. It's really just, it's just, from my perspective, it's just meant to be self-contained, not really to be so expansive. It's meant to like drop what, what everyone's doing. Like, hey, this is what's happening with Egypt. This is what's happening with the Federation. This is what's happening with the Borg Cube. This is what's happening with the Romulans. Oh, and by the way, here's a bit of history on these guys. Here's this. So it, it was never meant to be so hugely universal. Like where Discovery is like all over the place with it. They go this way. They go there. They go here. And they go there. And then you're like, whoa, okay, guys. What are we doing now? The car was more grounded, I would think. It was more focused. And if you look at it like it's focused on Jean-Luc Picard and him just trying to help someone and then the steps that he has to take to get to that resolve, then it's all, it works all fine. But if you're trying to, if you're trying to get it to be like Discovery, you're, you're going to be, be, be disappointed because that's never the way it's going to be. And Discovery itself suffered from a whole lot of 
things that were like behind the scenes, but they were still good. I mean, it was still fun to watch. I mean, just because something isn't mentioned in TNG and we see it in um, Discovery doesn't make it like canon violation or something else like that. Like, it all depends on how people are describing things and how things are being detailed down in the history. It's like, if we go back in the history, like Christopher Columbus, for instance, the way that I was taught Christopher Columbus back in the day is not the same that it's taught now. It is a very different description of that. So I don't think Star Trek should be afforded any any, any kind of uh, passes on their recollection of a historical event. We are watching... We are we we are what we could simply just be watching the best picture of humanity versus what was being done. So it might not even be like the reality of it. It, it might just be one man's idea of what Starfleet's supposed to be, and that's what we're wanting, and that's the way that we're watching this show. Because I mean, there is a narrative that most most of the shows most most of the shows follow, and usually they're all they're all happy endings more so than not or they make you ask questions or they make you be uh, curious or they make you really excited about the next installment like i am over the moon thrilled for strange for strange new world i can't wait to get back on the enterprise and watch 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 what they do i'm not gonna be sitting there with my encyclopedia going this didn't happen for kirk or how come how come um how come how come ahura didn't didn't remember this why didn't she and Spock bring this up in TOS? Because obviously they didn't. Or maybe at the very last episode, they're going to run into this energy barrier that wipes their memories. And then they're going to have to go back to Starfleet and be retrained or something. Who knows? Anything is possible from the pilot to the series finale of any show. So, do I think because because the Discovery now is in is in the 32nd century that the events of Picard are no longer matter because obviously he has to correct things. I mean, we've all seen parallels in TNG. Just because we're we're watching what's happening right now doesn't mean that that's going to be where it ends at. And Q, he is he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a character that is non-linear to time. So maybe after the events of Discovery season four and five and six or however long it's gonna go. That's when John Delancey's Q goes back to goes back to Picard and does does what he does and then changes the future event that now undoes everything in the in in the future and it unfolds differently. Like relics, how Scotty and Generations was present when Kirk was went 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 missing. But in Relics, he was like, why didn't he, uh, did he bring the ship out of moth, mothballs? I mean, it's entirely possible to tell a Star Trek story and it not be judged so critically to where you, you miss the point of supposed to be having fun, enjoying Star Trek. Bring in new characters or new situations into what the characters are doing. And, I mean, we haven't seen Pike... The only time we saw Pike is in, is in without being Discovery, is all the way back in uh, the original Cage pilot or in the Kelvin, in, in 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 the Kelvin movies, and that was really only a movie in like a quarter or something like that. Whenever he died in Star Trek Into Into Darkness, so I think with Strange New Worlds, 
we're going to be able to expand what we know of Star Trek, and it's going to push it forward, even if it is a prequel set before Kirk gets on board, because they have the money and the technology and the, the, uh, the way you write a story now, you could go all over the place. Like, there is nothing that's not possible. There is nothing off-limits. I mean, the only thing you can't do is kill your characters. And for all we know, Ahura could die, and they might do a Harry Kim episode thing where where the ship splits into two, and they take they take Ahura from this and bring her onto the ship, and they just don't mention it again. I mean, there's a history of things that are never mentioned again. It only gets mentioned if it matters to the plot. Like, how, how often is Locutus of Borg mentioned in TNG? Unless it had something to do with the plot. How often were they just playing some chess? And they were like, remember when Jean-Luc Picard was kidnapped by... Was this kidnapped by the Borg? And that episode had nothing at all to do with time travel, Borg, or anything like that? No. It always comes up if it matters to the plot of the story. So just because it's not mentioned doesn't mean that it, that it A, didn't happen, or B that um, it's being being ignored, or is that sloppy writing? I, personally, am excited for all the Star Trek. I mean, we've been having Star Trek since August. August. It's August. September, October, November, December, January. We got more coming. We got, we got, Discovery, got Discovery coming back February 10th. And then after that, we're either A, going to see, uh, we're going to see Picard, or we're gonna get more lore. Da- we're gonna get more. Um, um, we're gonna get more. Get, get more. Get more prodigy. Or it's gonna go into Picard or Stranger Worlds. I'm ecstatic that they're that they have so many of the cartoon episodes because it's really good. Like Prodigy and Lower Decks are really fantastically done shows. Like I am. I, I like I. I can watch an episode here or there of the animated series. But Lower Decks is really good at pushing the canon forward. Like, if you just want to watch years and years in uh, chrono- chronological without having to watch a lot of stuff, you just watch TNG, Voyager, and then Lower Decks. And then, I mean, you could throw Prodigy into there because it's from 2364 all the way to 2383 without, any, without too much of a time jump. And... You and in 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 lower decks, you're expanding upon the characters that you've come to know from before. Prodigy, you're learning alpha characters like Chakotay and and uh, the Hollow of Janeway, and then Chakotay. Anything they say about their past is going to be put into the memory into into memory alpha. They're going to literally make canon as of opening their mouths. It's literally like generations when we learn that Kirk dies. We didn't know Kirk was dead in 1992. We didn't know in season uh, one of TNG that he died on Viridian Three, and the Enterprise uh, was the, uh, what, the, the, the the Enterprise B was damaged. We didn't know any of that. It, we didn't know any of that stuff. They created it. They made the canon that now we now can do do a, a trivia quizzes. And talk about what happened in the past. And like, oh yeah, Kirk died here. Well, he didn't die there in, 1980, in 1987. The script wasn't even written until 1993. So, overall of Star Trek, I gotta say, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm loving the fact that we don't have to wait eight or nine months for another Star Trek. 
that that was sucky. You watched it in 2017, and it goes into like maybe 2018, depending upon when it launched. I have to look it up. But then you had nothing for like a year until they did those uh, sh- uh, short tracks, which are fine. But you know they're not the same feel. Like they're cute and they're fun to watch, but they're not like oh, I gotta go home and watch my short track. That's not what anyone was doing. And then. Figuring out how all those short tracks fit in was the more fun part. And they all, to my knowledge, fit in to the narrative except for Calypso. Which I think they'll be able to do just fine. I mean, there's a lot of YouTubers out there that like talk a lot about how it might not fit, how it could fit, how much work it would do. And usually when they tell the simpler one, it's always more complicated. I'm like, either A, the ship travels back in time, or B... It, from a parallel, like, parallels, episode of TNG-like thing where they had two options. In one universe, they stayed there in the thing and left, and the ship stayed there for a thousand years. Or B, they traveled ahead like they did. And they're having a lot of mentions about parallel timelines and universes and everything else that maybe we'll learn that at the end of season four, they actually go to that other time they go to that other you they go to that other universe where the burn never existed and it's still going to be similar to what there is because it's the same the same course in time for the discovery going forward but now something because of that vortex maybe didn't do something that initiated something because that'd be kind of a cool little retcon that because of that temporal vortex that they went through it somehow did something when the burn was happening, and because they didn't go to the future, and they just stayed and left the ship, and it matured for a thousand years instead, that the burn never occurred, and there was no thing. So the future could be similar, but more expanding. But then Vance could look, Vance could look differently. All the stuff that we know could be changed, because how would they know what they look like in the other universe? So that's called budgetary restraints. But in any real thing, if it was an actual thing, it would be no different if I chose to live somewhere else. If I go backwards in time enough, change an event, it might lead to me making a different purchase on a different house, which means everything I'm doing is now going to be in a different home the entire time, which leads to all new different choices also. So one could argue that's as simple as it's going to be. They're trying to go to a different universe. They do. It's an, it exists already. It works it works parallel to what ours was. It's not created by time travel. There's no branching effect. It's just different. A different choice was made in that universe. If you're going to go to a different timeline, you're branching it, which means it's the exact same thing where the Voyager arrives in the future and then goes to the past. That's how the branching works. So if they're not going to do the branching, then that's fine. They can just do it. It's a different universe. But then you got to worry about all the exposition. you got to worry about all the talking stuff. And then a lot of Star Trek fans can't do a lot of exposition. That's what, that's what, that's what, that's what you would need. A lot of talky-talky-talky, which is fine. I love my talky-talky-talky. But it has to make sense in the confines of the story. And they don't have a lot of episodes in which to do that. So the best thing to do is to just keep it simple stupid. So, well, that is my overall thoughts on all of the shows. I love all of the Star Trek from 2017 going forward. I think it's all really good. I think it's all really clever. I think it does a good job of, of engaging 
uh, past and future fans. I think uh, Lord X and Prodigy does a remarkable job of drawing people in because it's always it's always fun. Like the uh, last episode where they brought all those old people back in using their voices. A lot of people are like, no, that sucks. I'm like, that is like the best way to do it. His when we look back at it years from now, we're gonna appreciate that that they did. They actually did the voices of Nichelle Nichols, and they did the thing of Renee, and they did the things of Leonard Nimoy instead of just doing um, the people they already have cast. The new, the new, uh, the the new, uh, or Ahura, uh, or the new Spock, the Ethan Peck. I think later on we're gonna really appreciate what they did there and how they made it all part of the prime canon of shows from Star Trek one through thirteen through TNG through through uh, d d through through Discovery. I think that that whoever is whoever is doing all of the all of the developing and all of the creativity because you can't just give it all to Kurtzman. Kurtzman is like He's the bobblehead. He's the main guy. He's the guy that says, sounds good. Go good. Go ahead do and do that. He's not the guy that's sitting down there with a three-word thing or on the computer and typing all this stuff out and creating these beautiful characters that we get to that 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 that, that, that we get to follow each week. I'm I'm a very big fan of what this, of what Prodigy is doing right now. They're not where they're not pushing everything out. They're not making us do breadcrumbs like they could have waited for for chicote until like season two they could have pushed all that out they didn't have to do what they, they didn't have to do what they did and they, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner right now because based off the years you have to have time travel in order for it to happen but a lot of people are stuck on like the the time in which prodigy exists and when it is and how far away it is and they have to like take a break take a deep breath and remember it can be based anywhere from when Voyager got back all the way up to, like, say, 2410. Because Chakotay doesn't look like he's only, like, five years older. He is animated, he, but he looks older. So he, he, he looks like he could be somewhere in the area that Janeway did her endgame. She could be somewhere in there, like, he could be 2405, 20, 2404, something, something like that. And then... His ship gets sent in that year, 2405, to the Delta Quadrant with her cool new engine to go explore that. Maybe he's, maybe he's there to mine the, the uh, Astro stuff for the same stuff they're doing it for. And because of that um, way that you can't really scan, scan something, it throws your scanners. Maybe they're trying to mine that for Federation use so they can have like a cloaking device but not have a cloaking device. Because you're not cloaking your vice, you're just causing people signals to not be able to detect you. So they could just be simply doing that. And then some event leads the entire crew or just the ship to 2358 where the Diviner and them are looking for this ship now because they heard stories of something happening. And then Chakotay and them have to do have to do whatever to, to survive. And then you have you have the crew of the of the prodigy find find the ship in 20 in 23 in 23 in 2383 so either a Dakota and them can be super duper old or b we're going to see them in flashbacks in 2358 going forward 
and then Dahl and them used information in those logs, kind of like what they did in TNG with uh, the girl that was dead, and Jordy was creepily going through all of her files. They could be doing something like, like, like that. They're watching the things, and then as we're watching it, it starts out as a hologram, and then it kind of zooms in, and we go into it like it's really happening right now for, for, for Chakotay and them, and then we get to follow them a, uh, follow them to a certain point, and then we come back out again, and then Doll and them have to somehow use that information that they learned to figure out how to save them because they can't go to the Federation because maybe they learn that he's from 2404, and if they do go to the Federation, Chakotay hasn't left yet. And the whole idea of possible futures, we don't want to make a paradox. If they go to the Federation and prevent Chakotay from going back, that means that they stop themselves from going onto the ship, and you create this really paradoxical uh, timeline that now um, is confusing. So I think I would rather it be like uh, the Voyager episode where they talk to the Roman ship in the Alpha Quadrant, but they find out that it's actually in 2354 and he has to keep his mouth shut. So and then give that message. And but then we find out he dies like in 2362 or something like that, whatever it is. So I hope it's kind of like that. So they find out that the ship is older. They can't go back. They have to keep the information to, to, to themselves. And if they do travel back to the, Fed, to the Federation, it could cause widespread problems and it could even mess things up with the diviner and then you have a future a future diviner coming after you along with the past diviner coming after you so keeping the timeline as uncorrupted as possible is probably in the interest of everyone involved on um prodigy which i think is done really well lower decks same thing i think it's done really well they have a lot of callbacks on that so I think the third season, I want I want them to kind of, I want them to be more like prodigy wise, where they it's their own universe. They can expand it, they can talk about it, but really it should be carried by themselves, not by bringing up Deanna Troy, not bringing up Picard, not bringing up Kirk, not bringing up Spock or something like that. I, I think both the animated shows are really hitting their strides. So as long as they keep doing that. And pushing the timeline forward, then we can have, then we can have all these period-like pieces, where we're seeing things happening at a different points. So we'll see Picard in 2340, uh, no, 2400. We'll see Picard in 2400 doing his thing, and that could be five years before Chicote does does what does what he does, and events leading in doing whatever they're doing will inform. What Jacoby does in 2405. So it's not like it doesn't matter, doesn't exist, it doesn't partake in that. It just that occurs first, and then those events lead to 2405, leading to Jacoby to take the protostar to the Delta Quadrant. Rather than undoing things, it's just a natural evolution once those events transpire. Like uh, Lower Decks happens before Prodigy. So because the third season now exists after the first season already came out. They can have callbacks to Prodigy now. Maybe they maybe they even show Prodigy um, being designed. Like it's going to be in the next batch of Starships. Or it's going to be a, 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 future, a future design. Maybe uh, Tendi is designing this ship. And then that gets the attention of the Federation and Starfleet. And then they start 
doing that. So that we see sketches of it with with uh, Tindy being all scientificy. What kind of ship she would want to she wants to design, and then that ship becomes the Protostar, which is launched in 2405. So you could tie it all in, all all in like that, and have shows crossing over with each other that actually makes sense inside of what you're doing, so you don't have too many characters. So I am over the moon excited. I cannot wait for uh, tonight's episode of Prodigy. Which, because I don't, I'm, all, my, all my kids should be asleep, so I'm going to try to do a, a live review while I watch it at midnight, if I'm, a, if I'm awake for it, I'm going to be. And then, February 10th, ain't that far, ain't that far, ain't that far away to see if we truly go to a different, um, a different um, part of the, uh, not even our galaxy, so a different, whole new quadrant thing. That, that'd be kind of cool. Like, we see what the aliens call their quadrants. Of their galaxy that'd be fun that'd be a nice little installment of yeah we're gonna go over to the Quizal quadrant or you know some crazy weird name thing so I think that discover the last part of the discovery season is gonna be fun action-packed it looks like it's gonna be a lot also like it's gonna be a lot of fun you don't need a lot of actiony fire fire boom 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 to have a good show you just gotta have good pacing you gotta have a good story and not a lot of sometimes you can tell when episode is being filled inside of it like you know that, okay this is just a filler scene they didn't really have anything to say they didn't have the budget to do anything big so they're just going to make this scene here to where it connects one to the other for time which is fine but you can tell sometimes when windows in the in all episodes of star trek you can tell when they exist and i'm like oh come on don't do that do this instead like the only only irritation I have in Discovery is the is the DMA not seeming like it's more important. It's not seeming like it's like the main thing. But then we got the episode where they all were talking about how they were doing stuff individually, and we learned about the quantum torpedoes being launched in. We were learning about other people's attempts at trying to understand what was happening. So they kind of uh, said, "We're sorry. Here's what was happening. We just weren't seeing it," which is fine. I'm cool with things happening off camera. I mean, we got to see a lot of that in Voyager where you had a couple of, a couple episodes where you weren't present for it at all. Like the event didn't actually happen inside the normal run and it's the thing that happened when the cameras were off. <laughs> so, so to say. So, going forward on the DMA, I hope that this next episode reveals who 10C is cuz I don't want it to be like where they want to tell don't want to, don't want to tell the audience until like the last episode. If you know who 10C is, say who 10C is. At least have somebody else. Like how they have that ship start starting out in the uh, exploring it and then then it got uh and it got all beat up and whatever else. But they were having a conversation outside of outside of outside of the outside of the of discovery that we were able to see. So if something had cool that happened, it happened. It's some kind of huge reveal that only they saw. Then the audience would know. Discovery wouldn't, and the Discovery crew then had to figure that cool thing out. But we already know. So like, oh come on, come on, come on, come on. It gives us something to root for when we have something to know. You don't have to leave your audience completely in uh, confusion. You can give a little bit of information to where you can then go oh okay cool 
Now they're almost catching up to me. Me knowing more about what's happening over the characters doesn't make the show any less entertaining. If anything, it makes it more fun because now they're catching up to me rather than me saying, come on, give me something, give me something. Don't leave me in the dark. I don't like that. But so far, I have not been let down by any of the Star Trek. Like some people are, oh, third season was underwhelming. It was just this boy screaming. Space is a scary, scary place. I mean, the uh, uh, Q said it best in uh, in Q Who, when, right, right before he sent him, to the uh, Borg, you know, all those different things, things that things that he said. So it's entirely possible for some crazy, crazy, wild stuff to happen, and it have nothing to do with the main cast, and nothing at all to do with them being able to prevent it fr from happening. So that would be uh, fun. So apparently, this is going to be my longest podcast because now I'm getting um, a. I'm getting told that I have very few minutes left. Almost an hour. So, in closing, super excited, super happy. Can't wait for for uh, the last part of Discovery uh, Season 4. Cannot wait for Lower Deck Season 3. And definitely can't wait for Picard Season 2 and 3 to be happening. And I'm really happy. was over the moon ecstatic when I heard about the huge order for Prodigy and that big that season that 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 we're gonna get for one season which means are they gonna make season two also be 20 episodes so we get a total of 40 in two in two seasons of one show because that would be fantastic but yeah i've always i've been a fan of star trek since the since the mid 90s and i have really just enjoyed everything that i've seen and all the movies and there's never been a moment where I'm like, oh, that was bad, or I hate this. I've always enjoyed and appreciated Star Trek. It's what I go to sleep with, this TNG. I watch Voyager all the time. Um, Discovery, I've seen so many times and watched so many walkthroughs and breakdowns and watched it again. So that one I haven't seen as much. But I still enjoy all the episodes, and I've seen every single one. I've seen all of, uh, all of Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, and Prodigy. And I can't wait to add... Uh, strange new worlds to that. So in the wrap up of of what I want to see from Star Trek is I want to see more movies. I want to see crossover movies. I want to see things bringing the crew together. And it COVID kind of makes that be hard because of scheduling and how many people you can have on a set at one given at any given time. But I think it, I think I think it would be fun. To just bring everyone one 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 together, like in a um, like the final episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, they were bouncing through timelines, and one person was bridging them all. I think that would be kind of cool, because uh, Picard, for instance, he was born in like uh, twenty three oh five, I think. So he ex he was alive in most of the show. So you could just recast the character younger older and then old man and then have the other characters he's interacting with be from the other shows there's a way to work in discovery in there or or uh or 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 enterprise or make it to be some i think it'd be really grand just have an all-in star trek event where they have to do something and just work together so in, in conclusion to this super long podcast i love star trek and I want more. 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 And I hope they continue to give me more. 
because I don't care about all the politics and all the I hate Kurtzman or I hate this. It's all Star Trek to me. From the beginning till now. All of it. And I'm open to anyone anyone disagreeing with anything that I said. I'm really open to other people's viewpoints. And that's why I go on to these different blogs and podcasts to kind of see where everyone else is at and what their thinking is and how they got there. I think that's really fun because at the end of the day, we all love Star Trek. That will conclude this podcast. I hope everyone has a good Star Trek day.